Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. How many of y'all were awakened this morning by words? Anybody awakened this morning by words? How many of y'all were awakened from an alarm clock? Come on. How many of y'all have the internal clock and that wakes you up every day? That's awesome. But that probably started because you had an alarm that went off every day for a period of time, right? How many of y'all have like your, your favorite? Does, is anyone like me, like you pick specific Siri alarms? Am I, the, am I the only one that does that? The chimes, whatever you call them. Like, you're, like you don't want to be woke up with the wrong one, right? Because this is the problem. Leslie... Pastor Leslie used to have her set up like this. Can we play that that first one that we got there? She used to have this one. Now, every time I heard that, I was like, okay, I need to jump out of bed, which I was usually not in bed. But if I was in bed when that one went off, I would jump out of the bed, like running around looking for the fire, right? Because it's pretty alarming. In fact, it's actually called alarm. Didn't you used to have that one? Was that the one you used to have? I don't remember. I think this is the one you have now, right? The, the, the next one. Do we have that next one? The second one? Yeah, that's the one now. And I think I convinced her to change that because I was like, that's just, that's too much. Like, you, you really need to change that because that's not, I don't really want to wake up like freaking out, feel like I have to put a fire out. Let's listen to some more common ones, right? Yeah, that's a pretty common one, right? That one's not so bad. We have a couple more, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. that one's pretty common. And I think there's another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hey, I, I want to encourage you, make sure you set the right alarm because that sets the pace for the rest of the day. You know what I'm saying? I want to hear like oceans and birds. You know, I, I want to have something like that to wake me up. Maybe a song, uh, something to get me out of bed. Well, most, if you're like me, you've you've spent a lot of years waking up around the same time. So you have an internal clock that, that kind of wakes you up. But but it all starts somewhere. We are, we're all awakened by something. Some of you, you're awakened by your parents. You're, Hopefully you're not awakened by your parents if you're an adult in the room. Uh, I know a lot of men that are woken up by their wives every day. Right? Your mother. <laughs> by the way, well, let's just not go there. Let's just not go there for all you guys that your wife sets out your clothes and packs your lunch and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I know. You're a man. She's not your mama. She's your wife. There you go. That was free today. But all of us are awakened by something. Something wakes us, wakes us up. It's an, it's an eternal clock that might have been set off initially by an alarm. But the thing is, is it takes something in most cases, to wake us from our slumber. And there was this thing that happened to all of us that are in Christ. So you didn't come to Jesus because you had an internal clock that said, it's time for me to come to Jesus. You came to Jesus and Jesus makes a statement. He said, no one comes to the Father unless the Father draws him. The, the idea that you came to Jesus is because he spoke to your deadness. He spoke to your death and he said, come alive. And that's what we've been talking about in this series. And, and what we've been talking about through all these resurrection stories, there was always a voice on Easter Sunday. We talked about that, that voice going out to Lazarus that said, come out, Lazarus, come out. 
The voice of Jesus awakened him. And if you remember, Jesus said he's just asleep. If you remember the story about the, the the widow's son, he said, young man, wake up. Right? Jairus' daughter. What did he say? My child, get up. There was a voice that awakened. And and I want to submit to you today is the spoken word is a catalyst from bringing death to life. And some of you may be in Christ, but you don't have the words of life coming from your tongue. You're speaking death. You're being negative all the time. And part of the reason why you're not seeing good things show up in your life, it's just because you don't control the way you talk. And we, we, uh, we know this verse very well, Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. Your tongue does. Not necessarily what happened to you, not your employer, not your spouse. Your tongue has the power of life and death. And so I'm convinced of this, is that the way that we talk will lead our life. And some of you are allowing situations and circumstance to lead the way you talk. Come on. How many know that, that you didn't, when you came to Jesus, it all started at this moment. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. What is it? That's confession. And a lot of, listen, I know that if confession has been abused, I get all that. I, I've been in places before, like if you have sniffles and you're like, I got a cold, someone's like, I rebuke you. We're not, we're not talking about abuse, Okay. <laughs> But we do need to speak a good word. And there's a story in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. And it says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. And Jesus said, well, I'll come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, hold up. I am not worthy to have you come into my home. I don't, I don't want you coming over. I haven't had time to clean the house yet. Just say a word from where you are and my servant will be healed. Lord, you don't have to come over. Just say the word. Just say the word, Lord, and he will be healed. And I know this. Get this, I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers. I know, Jesus, how authority works. I only need to say go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, my servants, do this, they will do it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. I mean, Jesus knows everything, but Jesus is amazed. What is he amazed by? There's two things that will amaze Jesus, your belief or your unbelief. And in this instance, Jesus is amazed by his belief. Turning to those that were following him, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. Now, if I'm one of the disciples, I'm going, in all Israel, Lord? Like, what about me? I mean, I've been like following you. I mean, I left the nets. And Jesus was saying that this God gets something that you don't yet understand. That there is something about the spoken word of God that brings life. 
that takes those that are paralyzed and sick, maybe paralyzed in fear. And, we, and what we get into sometimes is we get into condemning people that are in fear. Come on. Oh, you need, to, you need to stop doing this. You need to stop doing that. Why are you so afraid? We, we, we ridicule people that are, that are paralyzed in fear. When what we should be doing is speaking life to them. Not rebuking them all the time, beloved. There is a time of rebuke. But, some, but if you really want to awaken people's hearts, if you're not just annoyed by something and you're speaking about something that's annoying, and there are a lot of things that are, but one of the things that we need to start doing is stop just being annoyed by it and speaking negativity over it and contributing to the fear. And we need to start speaking words of life and encouragement. And we will see the paralyzed come forth. So after this verse, Jesus has a moment with his disciples, just kind of continuing on this conversation of faith. And then verse 13, it says, then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. That servant was healed the same hour that Jesus spoke. I believe the same hour right after Jesus said that. (laughs) It just took an hour for the news to get to him. So what we can learn from that is this, is words carry authority. Words carry authority. They carry authority. How many know you only have authority when you've been given authority? But when you speak, something happens because you carry authority. It's not your authority that you carry. If you have a job and someone has given you a position at that job, you're not, it's not really your authority. It's the authority of the one that's above you. And in this moment, this man is submitting to Jesus and he's saying, I submit my authority to you, your authority. I know how authority works. And so one can only speak with authority if they have it. And get this, we are under the highest authority. The name that's above every name, the power that's above every, every power, we are under his authority. Now, some of you aren't. But when we come to Christ, when we've, when we've died to our own life, and we've been resurrected into this new life in Christ, what happened is we came under the authority of Jesus. And because of that, because we're under this superior authority, our words are weighty. Get this, 2 Corinthians 5.20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Beloved, get this. You represent Jesus. Do you understand this? By saying, I am a Christian, the words that come out of your mouth represent his authority. Some of y'all been on your social media. You don't act like that. The words that you're typing, the things that you're retweeting, all that. You have authority. Why are you acting like that you're under the authority of the world and the government of the world and not under the government of the kingdom? Submit yourself. We have to, and, and this is what you get into is you have a lot of people that think, oh, I can just throw the name of Jesus on there. And then it has authority. No, you've got to be under the authority to speak the authority. So we see this story in Acts about the seven sons of Sceva. You guys familiar with the story? 
So demons are going out of people like crazy. And so some folks are, there's this, this these demons and this, these, these sons and the seven sons of Sceva, and they try to drive out the demon and they go like this. They go, we, we are driving out the demon in the name of the, the, the apostle of the Jesus of the apostles. So they were trying to misappropriate the name of Jesus. They were trying to use the authority of Jesus, but they weren't under his authority. So what ended up, because they weren't under the authority of Jesus, something that was more powerful than them, this demon overtook them. Why? Because they weren't under the authority of Jesus. They had the right words. It's the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. You have the right words, but you're not under the authority. See, your words are in Christ only have the authority if you are in Christ. And it's not a, we get into this kind of magic thing, just say, you know, we pray like this. You people are like, well, you got to say in the name of Jesus at the end of your prayer, or it's not powerful. Or do, you, do you think it's actually just in the word itself? Or do you think it's because you're submitted to that authority? And because you were submitted to that authority, your way, your words have weight. Some of y'all are trying to invoke the name of Jesus and you don't even know the man. That's why demons don't flee when you say in the name of Jesus. I would submit this to you that when you show up, the demons already have to leave. You don't have to say a thing because you're under the authority of the Lord. But when you do speak, that's, that's when things begin to change. Uh, Hebrews eleven three says this. It says, we understand that the world's were framed by the word of God. I love that word, worlds. The worlds were framed by the word of God. So listen, if God has a creative ability to speak, he'll say it and something happens. Something's created, something from nothing. If God has that ability, then if, then if we are filled and we are in Christ and the, the divine nature is inside of us, then surely we can shift an atmosphere with the way that we speak. Listen, you should be, I hear people all the time complain about their job. Oh, my job this, and my job that, blah, 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 blah. Aren't you glad you have a job? Because yeah. I can't tell. <laughs> and, and another thing I've noticed is people like that usually end up finding another job and they end up complaining about that job also. And so how about instead of complaining about it and talking about how bad it is, how about you start speaking life? It isn't right. They're immoral. Why do you think you're there? You were there because it's immoral. You were there because there's a vacuum. You were there as Christ's representative. You're not, listen, you are not there to make a paycheck. You're there to represent the kingdom of God. Now don't be weird and just be upbeat. You don't have to be, I am God's bishop. You don't have to get into titles and you don't need to get into all that. Just listen, if you have authority, you don't have to, you don't have to state your credentials every time you walk in the room. You just show up and you start speaking life. You just show up and start being nice. You, you just show up and start instituting grace. Listen, instead of going to the restaurant and complaining how bad it is because of the service, how about you just be a little life-giving? There's a world. Complaining is draining. Stop it. That is not your genetic code anymore to be a complainer. That's the old guy that died. And when you were resurrected, now you are a life-giver. You're not depending upon the environments around you to give you life. You have an environment inside of you and you release it with your words. We're all over. Number two. 
Words work with faith. Words work with faith. When Jesus heard it, what? This man saying, you're a man under the authority. He said, I've not found such great faith. What does Jesus tell us? Mark 11, 23. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to the mountain, if anyone just says, says to the mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes, what's he doing? He's connecting. He's connecting faith and he's connecting words. And he believes that he doesn't just have the words and he doesn't just have the faith. Faith and words are working together. Your faith will, will give your, your words will give your faith away, by the way. That's good. You, you can tell how much faith someone has by the way that they talk. And Jesus is saying, if you believe in your heart, you do not doubt, you can say to the mountain. If you have confidence in the Lord, you can speak to the mountain that it, what it says will happen and it will be done for them. So, so your words work with your faith. Number three is this, is words are a weighty responsibility. Because in Christ... Get this, because in Christ, we are under this authority. Every word you, you, you declare, every word that you say, every word that you speak carries a weight to it. It's, you've got to be responsible. If we would start seeing ourselves as really Christ's ambassadors, yeah. we would be careful yeah. with the way that we use our words. We would be careful. And we're not necessarily just talking about, well, they got a filthy mouth. And I, listen, that's, that's a thing too. But really what we're focusing on is just bringing the words of life. Yes. All this negative stuff doesn't do any good. Complaining does, does zero good, especially to the person that has no, no control. When we claim Christ as his representatives, we must be on guard with what we say and how we say it. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Psalms 141.3, set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I, you, we should start praying that every day. Lord, today, put a watch over my mouth. You know, I've had to learn this, and I'm still learning this the hard way, that, that sometimes the things that I say can be misunderstood and I can blame everyone else. But the reality is, is I'm responsible for my words. And the more authority you have, the more careful you have to be with your words. And so I blunder this all the time because I just kind of just talk and I, I, don't, I don't really focus on what I'm saying or how I'm saying it. And so people were like, that really hurt my feelings. And I was like, I have to go in and spend like two hours explaining my intentions. Yeah. It's hard. So we, we need the help of the Lord. Lord, put a, put a watch over my mouth. Put a guard over my mouth. Matthew 12, 36 and 37, Jesus says this. I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. He doesn't say every negative word. He says every idle word. What is, what is that? The, 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 some translations use the word vain. Every, just, every word, every just blabber. Well, I'm just talking. You're going to be accountable for that. I'm just talking. We're going to stand before the Lord and he's going to say, how did you use your words? Wow. <laughs> every idle word, not, every ne- not even every negative word, every word that doesn't have life attached to it. Wow. Wow. The words that you say will either acquit you or condemn you. 
So we're not just held accountable for the negative things we say, but the idle words that we say, the careless, the dishonorable, the, the useless, the empty words that we speak. Why? Because we have this powerful agent that the Lord has given us called our tongue. And we, when we use that in a godly way, please don't tune me out on this. I, I know that this has all been abuse, but get this, understand that God holds you accountable. Why? Because he's given you such authority. Be careful. Be careful. The, the words are a, a spark for a fire. James says that it's the, it's the rudder on a ship. It's like a trigger. You go out, you can have your gun loaded. <laughs> you, can have the, you can have it all packed up with the best ammo and the best firearms and all that stuff. But until you pull that trigger, right, that's when the power is released. So life-giving words, life-giving words. You ready? How many of y'all want to, want, to, want to be able to function in some life-giving words? Yes. Yeah, you okay? All right. Yes. Proverbs 10, 11 says this, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. How many of y'all are righteous? Yes. If you're in Christ, that's you. How many of y'all are righteous? You are. Not because you're a good boy or a good girl <laughs> this week, but because you're in Christ. Come on, because you trusted him. But guess what it says? Right here, the mouth of a righteous is a fountain of life. So what pours out of you, what overflows out of you should reflect the righteousness that is in you. So these are some life-giving words. First is prophetic declarations. Everybody say prophetic declarations. Some of y'all say prophetic declarations. Yeah, yeah, you're saying it wrong. It's prophetic. I know you're thinking, no, you're saying it wrong. It's, it's okay, it's okay. Now, we're not saying positive declarations and vibes, right? Positive vibes, positive vibes. We get it. We get it. We know. We're saying prophetic declarations. What, is, what does it mean to be prophetic? You say, well, first of all, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a prophet. I, I'm not a prophet either. But it doesn't, the, the scriptures don't tell us that just prophets will prophesy. And Acts chapter 2 reflects what Joel chapter 2 says, that in the last days my sons and daughters will prophesy. Who's a son and daughter? Are you a son and daughter of God? Guess what? You will prophesy. This is what was spoken by the prophet, of, prophet Joel. This is what is imparted in the book of Acts. Spirit-filled people, people that have trusted Jesus, that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, guess what? You will prophesy. They shall prophesy. They will prophesy. What are, what are we prophesying? The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord, not a, not a positive vibe because listen, sometimes the word of the Lord isn't a positive vibe. I mean, it is, but you just don't, it feels like negative. When God says, repent, stop it. That feels like negative. It's not negative. It's positive because every, every no that God tells us is an invitation to a, a greater yes. And we need to be moving into those things. So what are we declaring? We're declaring the word of the Lord. Whether it's the written word that we have, the logos, it's the words that you have in your scriptures. How, how can I be prophetic? If you want to grow in the prophetic, pick up your Bible, get into your Bible, read your Bible, know what God says. Because sometimes the most prophetic thing that you can do, and I would say most of the time, the most prophetic thing that you can do is declare the word of God. It's prophetic because you're communicating God's heart. You're communicating his nature. That's all it means to be prophetic. You're just saying what God says. 
So God has given you a Bible full of things that he's already spoken. And somebody you're like, I just need a word from the Lord. I just need, you got one. You got a bunch of them. The way I like to say it is get into the word until the word gets to, into you. And then you're just declaring the word of God all the time. Why? Because you've stored it inside of you. And that fountain of life is pouring out. Why? Because you put the water there. Declare the word of the Lord. So we must have the pulse of heaven and, and the knowledge of the word of God to declare. And some of you, you have the Bible in you. You have the Bible on a shelf. Some of y'all, it's dusty. Maybe you're reading it on a phone. Whatever. But some of you, you have the word of God in you, but you never speak the word of God. Maybe you pray it sometimes. But a sword does no good if it's left in its sheath. You know, it does no good if it's on on the desk in the bedroom. It does no good if it's in the closet. It's got to be on your lips. The word needs to be on your lips. Come on. So, and let me deal with this. Used to, we used to think being prophetic meant being kind of edgy and mean. I remember when I first got around a prophet, I was so scared. I was like, they're going to call out every sin in my life. Right? You're like, no, I'm not. Okay, come on, come on to the prophetic night. I'm like, mm-mm. I'm like, well, I'm on staff. I have to go. We had this guy when we, when we lived in El Paso, and he would come. His name was uh, Jim Maloney. And, and, and Jim, we would have Jim from time to time. And I was always, the first time I heard he was coming, they were like, he's so accurate. He really, really is the Lord. And I was like, he is going to, like, get in front of the church and, you know, call out all my sin. And everybody's going to know I'm, like, broken as they are. <laughs> right? And I was like, oh, my gosh, here we go. And then he called me up one time, and I was like, oh, man, please don't expose me. Please don't expose me. And he didn't. But, but that comes from this idea that prophets are kind of mean-spirited. We do that sometimes. Someone's like, someone's kind of like a little bit mean-spirited, and we go, well, they're a prophet. Because this is what we see in the Old Testament. But get it in the New Testament, Revelation 19.10 says this, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Yeah. So if it doesn't reflect Jesus, if it doesn't look like Jesus, it's not prophetic, it's pathetic. So don't think you're being prophetic because you're being mean. Yeah. I'm just telling them what God says. In what spirit? Because if it doesn't possess the testimony of Jesus, what Jesus accomplished on the cross, what Jesus did for you and I, then it's not prophetic, it's pathetic. And so you just dismiss all that negative, mean-spirited stuff. Now, listen, we do need to hear the hard word of the Lord sometimes. But is it brought with a way of kindness and compassion and tenderness? Because, listen, God, God never is rebuking you to leave you where you're at or to make you feel condemned. Anytime you feel that, you just go to the Lord and you say, Lord, here I am. I should not have done that. Here I am. And the Lord welcomes you. It's always, listen, God's rebukes are always an invitation. Always. Don't be afraid of the word of the Lord. It will set you free. It's the word of the Lord that sets you free. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So declare prophetically. Start doing that over your life. You know, people have their, you know, daily declarations. That's the thing. Listen, if it's just filled with fluff, 
If it's just, you're, just, you're the most best looking guy and you're, you're strong and you're, you know, you got all these affirming scriptures that are taken out of context. Listen, get out of that. Speak the truth of God's word. Father, I thank you that I'm yours. I don't have to stress out about all this stuff because you are in control of my life. That is a prophetic declaration. You need to start declaring those things with confidence. And you say, oh, I'm kind of unconfident. Well, you speak it enough times and you'll grow in confidence. We, we have these... We have these things that we have at our, here at Overflow, this, these offering declarations. I've said this before. We've had more pushback on that as a church than anything else. Like people won't stay at Overflow because we do that. And I get it because some of that stuff's been, we are, we're always like really careful to kind of like craft it in a way. Hey, we, we, we wanted to make sure that you know that we're not believing like for yachts and, you know, jets and all that kind of stuff and, you know, hot tubs in our limos. And we, you know, we're not into that. We feel like we always had to do that because we've had conversations with people and they're like, well, I, I'm just not real sure about that. But you know what, I, what we hear testimonies that we hear more than anything else Checks in the mail. Provisions and resources. People are sensitive. Why? Because they've got that, dec- after 10 years, they've got that declaration inside of them. And they're declaring those things over their life. Because there's power in your words. Now, you can't just live in disobedience and say the words because you're not under authority. But when you are under that authority, God gives you that. And so we're, we just say we're sticking to it. Because it's working. You can misunderstand it, and I'll be happy to explain it to you, all that kind of stuff, because it's worth it. (laughs) It's worth it to get you in declarative mode. The second thing is this, if you're going to bring life-giving words, is is point to Jesus. Point to Jesus. Point to the finished work of Christ. Man, I'm really struggling this week with anxiety, but you know what? The Lord says, come to me. All you that are heavy and weary laden, and I will give you rest. Lord, I thank you that there is rest in you. You're being set free. Do it, do it with others when your kid's like, oh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just so depressed. Come to him. All you are heavy laden. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, give thanks to God. Let's just, let's just go ahead and give thanks to God. God, I thank you, Lord, that you love me. I thank you that you rescued me. Lord, I thank you that my value is found in you. It's not found in how many likes I got on social media or how many people know my name or how many people affirm me after I preach a sermon. Yeah. My, 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 my value is found in your yes, and you said yes over me. This is the kind of stuff that you need to do is you need to point to Jesus. He speaks, Hebrews tells us this, the blood of Christ speaks a better word. There is a better word. There's a better word for your life. There's a better word for your life than failure. There's a better word for your life than anxiety. I'm so tired of hearing, you know, about everybody's anxiety and everybody's trauma and all that. How about you stop? I'm not saying that those things aren't real, but how about you start speaking about Jehovah is my peace. Jehovah Shalom. How about you start declaring the things that the Lord is saying over you and not about your condition? I'm not minimizing your reality. That's where you're at. But beloved, you're going to have to talk your way out of it. You're going to have to declare your way out of it. Isaiah, this is what Jesus said. So I feel like Isaiah 61, this is the, the, the mission of Jesus. This is what Jesus accomplishes. And he stands up in the temple that day and he reads this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is, a, is of the sovereign Lord. <laughs> what does that mean? That means he's the supreme leader yeah. of all things. It's on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Yeah. 
Now, poor there is those that are poor in spirit. Those that are like, ah. Oh. He sent me to bond up the brokenhearted. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the, the year of the Lord's favor. It's 2020, <laughs> right? We can look at 2020 and say that was not the year of the Lord's favor, but it was. This is where we submitted to the right authority. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the vengeance for our God. Now, vengeance, God's vengeance on that, it doesn't mean like, oh yeah, he's coming, we're going to wrap them all out. No, the vengeance of the Lord is like anything that is an enemy with God. Sickness. Poverty is an enemy of God. Poverty is an enemy of God. We said, I came to preach good news to the poor. Not leave them poor. Come on. Get over that. Depression, anxiety, all those things. Those are enemies of God. Don't, don't embrace that. The trauma that you've had, all those things that you've experienced, those are enemies of God. Today's the day of the Lord's favor. Get it in you. Come on. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Declare that. Lord, you're greater than this. Yes. You're greater than, than, than what's happening through my boss at work. Yes. You're greater than the, the difficulties that my marriage is, ha- is dealing with and walking through. To comfort all who mourn. To provide, provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Repentance under the old covenant was, was bad. Everybody, oh, I'm so repentant. I'm such a shameful person. Sackcloth and ashes. And he's like, hold up. When you repent, when you come to me, beauty. Yes. Beauty. Yes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair or hopelessness. Yeah. You feel hopeless? Put on the garment of praise. It's available. Where does praise come from? Your mouth. They will be called oaks of righteousness. You, you can, you're an oak of righteousness, not a little weed of righteousness. That's how I feel sometimes. I'm like, I'm just a little, I'm just a little righteous. I'll probably kill everything around me. No, that's not me. I'm an oak. You're a mighty oak of righteousness. You're planted in the presence of the Lord. You're bringing his kingdom. This is in you. This is who he's called you to be. Rise up, beloved. For the, not for you. Not so you can be insta-famous. Not for you. For him. For his splendor. For his glory. It's not about you. It's never been about you. That's why you die and he raises you up and he goes, I'm going to shine my glory through you. Number three is proclaim blessings. We've talked a little bit about this. We did a series last fall called The Blessing, and we spent a lot of time on that. If you want to get more information, go back and listen. But listen, you carry as priests in in the Lord's kingdom, those that are connected to the presence of the Lord, you have the ability to bring blessing wherever you're at. Proverbs 11, 11 says, through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. He said, I believe in the oaks of righteousness that are in this room today. And because the Lord has you planted in different places, that you are there to bring God's blessing. You are there to bring shade for those that, those that are wore out from the environment. God has put you there. Listen, wherever you're at, 
that tree and declare blessing. Declare the goodness of God. Put an end to the negative speaking. See, what comes out of your mouth identifies you. What comes out of your mouth identifies you. So don't get into this. this, Some of you are misidentifying yourself because of the words that you speak. the, The greatest source of misinformation. You're blessed. You're blessed to be a blessing. You're not just blessed so you can have fat blessings. You will, but it's not just for you. It'll go through you. (laughs) Stop talking about what you don't have, your limitations, your inabilities, your struggle. Start focusing on the good things God has done and focus on that. So Ezekiel 37, I'm going to preach this. You've got it right there in your notes. So the prophet, he says, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me by the spirit of the Lord into the middle of this valley that's full of bones. There's just bones everywhere. Like there was a war there and all these bodies ages ago were laying there and they died. They were decayed, just bones. There used to be life here, but there's no life anymore. How many of you feel like you've been in a season like that? Where you go in and there's nothing but death around you. There hasn't been life here in a long time. And he's saying, the Lord, the Lord picked me up and he set me into a place full of death. And some of y'all feel like that. He put me in this marriage. He put me in this family. He put me at this job. He put me in this city. Yeah, he did. But for you to flourish. And not just for you to flourish, but for you to bring life to the place where life is gone, where life is departed. And so he says, so he's there and the Lord asks him a question. Son of man, can, can these bones live again? And the prophet goes, uh, I mean, you know, Lord, you're sovereign. I mean, he, he's got to know God is asking him. Something bigger than, hey, can they, can they live again? Well, yeah, I mean, nothing's impossible with God. I mean, God, you can do it. Yeah. You know. Oh, sovereign God, you know. You're so sovereign. He recognizes the sovereignty of God. Oh, God, if you want to do it, go ahead and do it. That's what we do, right? Yeah. God, you're just so sovereign. Go ahead and do it. And you know what God says? He says, I'm so sovereign. Go ahead and do it. Yeah. <laughs> Let me calibrate your idea of the sovereignty of God. He says, I'm sovereign. I've got you. I'm the supreme leader. Go ahead and do it. He's not threatened by your choices. All the Calvinists are mad at me. Okay. Prophesy to these bones. Dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. (laughs) Yes, Lord. Dry bones. Come alive. And so what what begins to happen is these bones begin to attach. The knee bones connected to the leg bone and the leg bones connected to the hip bone and the hip bones connected to the 
spine bone. <laughs> Just all the bones are coming together. The fingers. And then flesh and nerves and all becomes on these bones. And there they're standing, this army of that they used to be, these soldiers. But there's no life in them. There's no life. They look like there's life. They look like they're living. They look like they can function, but they can't because they have no life. And the Lord says this, prophesy the breath. God, you can, you can give them. God didn't say, go fast. Go get in your prayer closet. Go to group. Go talk to the pastor. He says, prophesy. I want you to prophesy to those bodies that even though they look like they're living, they're not, they're dead. I want you, son of man. I want you, son of God. I want you, daughter of God, to prophesy. And it says that breath entered in them and they they came alive, ready for the Lord's purposes. This is the Lord's army. Start prophesying. Start prophesying to the dead bones, to the dead job, to the dead end job, to the dream that you had 30 years ago that died off because you, were, you thought it was taking too long. I tell you, dream again. The hope that you've had for your healing that's been dormant because you've been just let down so many times, prophesy. And don't stop prophesying. Don't stop prophesying. It's time that we start speaking to this valley of bones. And it's time that we start speaking to this body that is not living. I think the banner of the church in this hour, because we are living in a dead culture, it looks like it's alive, but it's not. Everybody's talking about how I'm not alive, but you are. It's time that we start prophesying. It's time to, listen, God puts us in this dry, dead place to speak life to it. God has you where you're at to bring life, not just to participate. Yes, there's a participation, but what I found, what I found in my life, if I will see myself as the, it's it's up to me if these bones live. When I see myself doing that, whenever I don't feel like I can live, someone else is going to prophesy to me because I've set myself in a company of people that believe and declare the same thing. Can these bones live? The declaration of our heart in this hour is no dead things alive. No dead things allowed. No dead things allowed. Will you just declare that with me? No dead things allowed. We just stand up to your feet right now, all across this room. I want you to start thinking about the dead places in your life. We got a few moments. Just close your eyes. Jesus. There's a verse. It's it's been kind of sitting on the on the back burner of my heart for about three weeks. And I, I think it's been waiting for this moment. Genesis chapter 28. It says that Isaac reopened the wells 
that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham. What had happened is Abraham had dug all these wells. And then the enemies, the Philistines, went and they covered up these wells so they couldn't be accessed anymore. And it says Isaac went and uncovered the wells that his father had dug. And some of you, there's things, there's inheritance that the Lord has for you and it's been covered up. And if we can declare Isaac is an image of Christ whenever he is offered by Abraham, then we could talk about Isaac, Jesus in Isaac. Isaac representing Jesus is the great well redigger that uncovers all the wells that the Father had designed for you to tap into. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus. I want you to uncover. There's things that are residing inside of you and you know they're there. I want you to just allow the Lord, the finished work of the cross to uncover, uncover the blockage that you can access. Listen, there's things that you're gonna receive that you never have to work for. It sounds like an inheritance to me. 